We've all heard it. Most of us have probably said it. Sticks and stones may break my bones. You finish it. Words will never hurt me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It sounds nice. The only problem is it isn't true. It got me thinking about how some other sayings that we were told growing up that just aren't true, kind of folklore. Were you ever told that uh, after you eat, you have to wait 45 minutes before you can go swimming? There's no truth in that. Maybe you've heard that a, a dog's mouth is cleaner than a human's. No. If you swallow gum, it will stay in your stomach undigested for seven years. No. Don't cross your eyes. They'll stay that way. Eating carrots improves your vision. Don't go outside with wet hair. You'll catch a cold. It doesn't matter if your hair is wet or not. It all has to do with whether or not you catch a virus. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. The truth is, words hurt. Words cut deep. And often we underestimate their power. We've been in a series of messages studying through the book of James. And the, James, the book of James is very interesting because the style in which it is written. It's written in the form of a letter. And it has the typical features of ancient letter writing. There's a greeting. The author identifies himself and his audience. There's an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. And so in this way, it shares similarities with Paul's letters and other New Testament epistles. But when you read the content of the letter, it resembles a lot of what you read in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, which is why some scholars have categorized James as wisdom literature. It reads like a New Testament book of Proverbs. And that is certainly the case when you get to James chapter 3. Many people love the book of James because it's so practical. It's, it's straightforward. It's no nonsense. There's not a lot of uh, historical background information that you've got to dig through to understand the meaning. No, it's just plain and clear. And in this letter, James shows us what faith in action looks like. What faith looks like when we're under pressure. And one area where we feel pressure is in the words that we say. Our words reveal our faith or the lack thereof. So let's read James 3 together, beginning in verse 1. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? James 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, 
sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. In this passage, James shares with us what it looks like to act wisely with the words that we say. And the first piece of wisdom that he shares with us is that we need to recognize the power of your words. Recognize the power of your words. James begins this chapter with a specific situation, and then he offers some broad application. In verse 1, he warns that not everyone should become teachers, because we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why? Because words are powerful. As a teacher, you aren't just responsible for how your words impact you, but you're held accountable for how your words influence others. Words give meaning. Words shape destiny. God spoke the entire universe into existence with words. So our big idea this morning, what we really want to understand, is that words are like rudders. They dictate the direction of our lives. Words dictate the direction of our lives. To drive this point home, James uses three illustrations. He talks about how small bits are put into the mouths of horses to, to steer them in different directions. He talks about how, how small rudders are used to, to guide large ships. And he talks about how forests are set on fire by a small spark. What's he getting at? Relatively speaking, the mouth is small, but the words that come out of our mouth are incredibly powerful. Edward, Edward Gramson was an American dentist, and after two years without a vacation, he was excited to board a plane and do some sightseeing in Granada, a province in Spain. But nine hours later, he landed in the Caribbean island of Grenada, 4,000 miles away from his intended destination. Mr. Gramson told the newspaper, I made it absolutely clear to the booking agent that I wanted to go to Granada in Spain. Why on earth would I want to go to Grenada in the Caribbean if I was flying back to America from Lisbon? It's just so sad. He sued the airline for $34,000. The judge refused to throw out the suit. He added, this case proves the truth of Mark Twain's aphorism that the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. Except here, only a single letter's difference is involved. Words 
matters. The Bible continually emphasizes the power of our words. Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 37, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And perhaps most strongly of all, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. There are about 170,000 words in the English language, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. However, the average two-year-old knows around 300 words. At five years old, it jumps up to 5,000. And at 12 years old, it jumps up to around 12,000, where most people stick around that number. Some college graduates may know up to 24,000 words. Shakespeare, he used 30,000 words, but he made a lot up. Whether you use many words or few, each and every word you speak has power. James tells us that our words have the power to build or they have the power to destroy. Consider how words on one hand have the power to encourage and uplift you. Think about how you feel when someone says, I love you. I believe in you. I'm here, and everything's going to be okay. You did a great job. I am so proud of you. On the other hand, words can hurt and damage relationships. Again, Think about how you feel. Think about what your body does when you hear the words, you're worthless. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. I hate you. I don't love you anymore. Have you ever considered how your words influence your own life? Our words reflect our character and our values. Our words shape our thoughts and our actions. And some of the most influential words you will ever speak are the words that you say to yourself. It's self-talk. Do you constantly tear yourself down and believe that you are less than God says that you are? Do you lack self-respect and and self-esteem because you tell yourself, I'm a failure? I'm unlovable. No matter what I do, it'll never be good enough. Do you know who God says you are? In Christ, God says that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you are redeemed, that that you are complete, that you lack nothing, that you are worthy. If words are powerful... Whose words are you listening to the most? Our words impact our own lives, but words also impact the world around us. Remember, words are like rudders. So on one hand, words can inspire positive change. In 
1963, Martin Luther King Jr. stood up in the National Mall in our nation's capital before over a million people, and he gave what many people consider to be the world's greatest speech. It was called, I Have a Dream. And with words, he was able to to paint a picture, to cast a compelling vision of a world without racism. A world that was ruled by love and decency and peace and equality for all people. Words can inspire positive change. But we know that on the other hand, words can also cause conflict and division. If you want a contemporary example, look no further than the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. If you've watched uh, any videos, you've seen some pictures online, or, or you've read articles, you will see at, at protests and different rallies, you will see pro-Palestinian uh, protesters hold up signs and chant, the, and chant the phrase, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What do they say? They're saying from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine will have complete control. That They'll have a, a single Palestinian state, which means that Israel will be driven from their ancestral homeland. These words incite violence and, and division because they're calling for, for the forceful removal of the Jewish people. So if, if you're a Jew and you hear this, you feel threatened. You feel unsafe. You feel ostracized. Words have incredible power. So second, James says, we need to avoid the pitfalls of uncontrolled words. If words have power, we need to avoid the pitfalls of uncontrolled words. In verse 6, he calls the tongue a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Words have the potential for deadly destruction. How's that? Consider how gossip and slander can ruin reputations. Gossip is the spreading of information or rumors that betrays a confidence or causes conflict or division. And the Bible speaks to this. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence. Proverbs 16, verse 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Slander, biblically speaking, involves making false spoken statements with the intent to damage someone's reputation. It includes harmful speech that undermines a person's character and their integrity. And and Paul speaks of this in Colossians 3, verse 8. He says, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. If you go to the next chapter in James chapter 4, James will say very clearly, do not slander one another. Why? Not only can, can these type of words ruin reputations, but harsh words like this also cause deep emotional pain, and trauma. Research shows that we tend to remember negative words much more than we do positive words. And so the sting of gossip or slander has a long-lasting effect. 
verse 7, James says, it is difficult to tame the tongue. Why is that the case? Because our words often reveal something much deeper. Our words reveal our inner struggles. Our words reveal weaknesses on the inside, sinful desires. And so if we're going to speak with wisdom, it requires self-control, and it requires discipline. But because the tongue is so difficult to, to tame, it's going to take a lot more than just your own sheer willpower to try harder. It will take nothing less than full dependence on God. We need to continually rely on God for transformation. So James says it's not enough to just avoid the pitfalls of uncontrolled words. It has to go further than that. We have to third, develop the practice of life-giving words. Develop the practice of life-giving words. We, we read in verse 9, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. How do we honor God with our words? Well, perhaps most importantly, we do that through praising God and worshiping God. And this is why, church, coming together for corporate worship is so transformative in the course of your life. Now, my guess is, there are a few Sundays where you come to church and you leave and you say, my life was changed. Now, that happens sometimes. I can think of a number of times over the course of my life where, where I encountered God in a very deep way and I left saying, my life was changed. My guess is most Sundays you come and, and, and you're glad that you came. You felt connected to God. You were challenged. Maybe you were encouraged in some way. But over the course of your lifetime, developing the practice of praising God and declaring his praises has a transformative effect on your life. And the more that we declare the praises of God, the more equipped we will be to speak truth and spread love in our interactions with others. And so I want to ask, if words are like rudders, what direction is your life being and if you find yourself heading in the wrong direction, perhaps today it's time for a course correction. What are some practical ways that we can develop the practice of life-giving words? Let me give you a few ways. One, choose your words carefully. The thing with words is, once they're said, they can't be taken back. Once it's out of your lips, it cannot be retracted. Earlier in his letter, James said in chapter 1, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you are an iPhone user, you might have noticed with the uh, iOS 16 update, there's this new feature where you can edit or unsend messages. And I found that comes in handy when I've sent somebody a message and I've left out some details or I spelled something wrong and I can go back and, and, and I can change what I said. You can edit or unsend a message up to 15 minutes after you send it. When's the 
wouldn't that be great in our face-to-face conversations? I don't think we'd need 15 minutes. We need about 15 seconds. Because how often does it happen? We say something, and almost immediately we wish we could take it back. I wish I could edit that. I wish I could, I could unsend that message. But that's not how our conversations work. There was an elderly man who had serious hearing problems for a number of years. His family tried again and again to get him to, to get a hearing aid. And finally he relented. He went to the doctor and he was fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to hear at 100%. A month later, he went back to the doctor and the doctor said with a smile, Your hearing is perfect. Your family must be really pleased that you can hear again. The old man replied, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversation. I've changed my will three times. Choose your words carefully. Because there are some things that are better left unsaid, right? Sometimes... The best thing to say is nothing at all. For example, in our arguments, we often feel like we have to get the last word in. I have to make the the last statement. I have to make sure that I get my point across. No, you don't. If what you're going to say isn't going to enhance the conversation, if what you're saying isn't going to build someone else up, don't say it. Sometimes biting your tongue causes less pain than letting it loose. But you know as well as I do that sometimes, sometimes the words unspoken are the words that should have been said the most. Sometimes something needs to be said. If you're in conflict with somebody and they're questioning whether or not your relationship is okay, and they're wondering if you still care for them. Don't make the assumption that they know how you feel. In that moment, you need to to speak and say, we're going to be okay. I I still love you. I still care for you. Sometimes the person who's hurting needs to know that you're not mad at them. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be just like him. Okay. Straightforward, simple enough. Don't answer a fool. Got it. And then you read verse 5, and it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. All right, now I'm confused. Do I answer the fool, or do I not answer the fool? Well, sometimes you answer, and sometimes you don't. And it takes wisdom to know the difference. Same thing is true with our words. Sometimes you need to say something. Sometimes that person needs to know that that you love them. They need to be reassured. And there are some times that you just need to keep your mouth shut. You don't need to get in the last word. You don't need to say something that is only going to cause more hurt. Choose your words carefully. Second, use your words to build up, not to tear down. And listen, this is an uphill battle for all of us. 
a multinational study reveals that 50% of our words are negative, 30% are positive, and 20% are neutral. Negative words come naturally. They're our default position. Just look at any newspaper headline, any news article online, look at the heading, read the article, and most of what you read is negative in nature. If you think back to the height of COVID when there were uh, lockdowns and quarantines, it seemed like all that we heard was doom and gloom. And there was a collective fear and a collective despair that, that kind of took over. And that's why I loved so much when John Krasinski started a YouTube channel called Some Good News. Now, John Krasinski is best known for playing the character of Jim Halpert on The Office. And he just, what he did is he started this YouTube channel, and he just shared heartwarming stories of ordinary people serving others. Ordinary people showing acts of kindness to, to neighbors and people in their community. People who were just about spreading joy in the world. And it revealed how desperate all of us are for some good news. It was Mark Twain who said, I can live for two months on one good compliment. Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Paul in the New Testament in Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We need to use our words to build up, not to tear down. Third and finally, you need to recognize that your tone matters. Your tone matters. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You can say the right thing the wrong way, and that's wrong. Leadership Magazine says 90% of the friction of daily life is caused by the wrong tone of voice. Think about how you can say the same word in so many different ways. Really? 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 Your tone matters. Now, James is all about practical straightforward wisdom. And so it would be a shame for us to, to read these words and not put them into practice. And so I want to give you a two-part challenge this morning. Here's the first part. This week, take responsibility, ask for forgiveness, and make amends with anyone that you have hurt with your words. Think back to someone who you have said something that looking back you wish you could take back. You can't take back what you said, but you can apologize and ask forgiveness for what you said. God can redeem what you said. Words can hurt, but words can also heal. So take responsibility and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? The second part to this challenge is this week, speak an encouraging word to at least three people. Go out of your way to find three people that may, maybe you're not in the habit of regularly encouraging. It could be a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor. But, but speak life-giving words into their lives. 
And I will, I will challenge you, the more specific you can be with your encouragement, the better. And instead of saying, hey, you're a good kid, say, hey, when, when you helped that lady load her groceries into her car, that was a very kind thing to do. Develop the practice of speaking life-giving words. The problem with an uncontrolled tongue is it's like a warning light on your car dashboard. Think of an uncontrolled tongue like a, a check engine light. It's not so much the problem as it is it's an indicator of a deeper problem. And so if you're going to leave here today and say, you know what, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to change my speech. You're probably going to leave here frustrated. Because what you need more than changed words is you need a changed heart. If you try to change your words without changing your heart, well, that's legalism. Jesus, he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. On average, 16,000 words come out of your mouth every day. That adds up to 860.3 million words in the average American lifetime. What do all of the nouns, verbs, adjectives, and sentences say about your life and the condition of your heart? Because eventually, what's inside is going to work its way out. So if you're prone to, to lash out in anger, and you just try really hard to fix yourself, you may feel like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't, I haven't lashed out in somebody in, in two months. You may feel like you've got things under control. But if you have not addressed the condition of your heart, eventually, what's inside will make its way outside. And what you really need is the Holy Spirit. You need God to change you from the inside out so that you have new desires. And that what your heart is full of is what you begin to speak. So I simply want to ask, is God directing the rudder that directs your life? Ask the Holy Spirit to take control. Because if he directs your tongue, he directs your whole life. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your spirit taking up residence in our life to give us new desires, a new heart, so that that would produce new life-giving words. And so, God, I pray that those of us here who are believers and followers of Jesus, that, that our words would speak life and not death that we would understand that the words we say are powerful. So God, help us to choose them carefully. Help us to, to be people who are lifting up those around us and not tearing them down. And God, for those here who do not know you, God, I pray that they would realize that they cannot change their speech on their own. There's not enough self-discipline that any one of us can muster that can change a heart. And because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, God, I pray that if there is anybody here who needs a new heart, that they would receive it today by calling on Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. God, I pray that they would believe in Jesus, that they would repent of their sins, 
they would confess Him as Lord and Savior. God, that they would be buried in the waters of baptism and they'd be raised to newness to live a life pleasing to You. So that You would get all the glory and all the praise out of the words of our mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.